0: Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of Jesus Thank you for tuning in Thank you for tuning in on this platform Pastor Eddie here This is a rooftop herald session And we bless the Lord that you are still here And you are still protected and kept By the grace of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus He's a good God, he's a powerful God Um, nothing compares to him Um, who can give him cancer the psalmist will say who can give him an advice he is sovereign he has got total control that is why we need to you know be like slaves and have total dependence on him and have total devotion on him you know singular devotion looking up to him as the author and the finisher of our faith you know like the book of Hebrews will say he's a mighty God he's a mighty God he's able you know yeah there are times where you know we need to now and again uh, check our our relationship and our walk with God whether our are we still you know tensioned uh, to his will completely or are we doing things in our own way you know I like what the Psalter or the psalmist will say uh, David actually um, when he says that he makes my feet to be like that of a hind a deer you know in most cases when you talk about the deer we're touching its horns the love of the waters and all of that and we forget its feet and actually it is said that um, you know the horn of a a deer or a hind are as hard as its feet you know and then drawing also from the language of typology we'll learn that uh, a hind or a deer is a type or a symbol of a believer you know um as the deer pended for the water so so long enough after they are caught we are thirsting after god we, we are the dears of the almighty and uh, therefore our feet uh, talks about or the feet of a deer or a hind talks about you know the high places the lofty places yeah because a hind will ascend mountains You know, so the hardness of its feet actually prepares it to to visit the higher places, you know. And the hardness of its feet is also the hardness of its horns, the authority. Now, the authority of a believer is as much as his devotional life, you know, his devotion, his total dependence on God, his walk with God, you know. So, yeah, there's power there. Yeah, so be strengthened. Let your feet, your feeble knees, uh, Paul says. He will say, um, be strengthened. I want to do the book of Numbers today. I want to do the book of Numbers. And uh, I've actually given it a title uh, to say, um, The Voice Behind the Navigator. Yeah, the voice behind the navigator. This is one of the Old Testament Books, my favorite books in the Torah. You know, yeah, it's one of my favorite books, but I need to highlight the fact that uh, the authority of Scripture is the same, all right, Uh, when it comes to the New Testament and the Old Testament. And the tone of authority, the expectation is still the same. Even during the covenant of the law, the Lord was still expecting uh, holiness and righteousness. all right, actually Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All scripture is breathed by God and is good for doctrine, reproof, correction and instruction unto righteousness. When that scripture was written, there was no New Testament as yet. It was not compiled. It was not canonized. It was just a letter that was sent to Timothy at that particular time. But the New Testament had not yet been uh, compiled. All right. So this is not to question actually the authority of the New Testament because the New Testament is actually drawing from the Old Testament. So if you understand, uh, you know, the language of verbal inspiration uh, that was given to the writers, you'll understand that it's actually the same. Even though you could find, um, you know, I've once uh, uh, read a book where they are contending and um, you know, rendering the Bible to be uh, to be an error, all right, not to be inherent. Uh, when they compared now the writers in the New Testament, for instance, uh, when Jesus was quoting Isaiah, one day you must do a message actually on that, and say the church service according to Isaiah, you know. Uh, when he had a church service and he said the spirit of the lord is upon me for He has anointed me and the people at that time contextually speaking they were not thinking about the messiah but they were thinking or they were seeing a prophet who's claiming that the spirit of the lord is upon him you know so when jesus was quoting isaiah he never finished the whole prophecy all right so it is with paul when he quoted um i think it's habakkuk the scripture that says the just shall live by faith you know this group of people even intend to say now that paul quoted those things out of context also referring to um, the Petrius uh uh, you know my favorite uh, uh, part in the book of Acts chapter 2 when when peter was preaching and they say that when he was quoting jewel he never quoted everything or he was contextually uh, incorrect. Alright, so these people were misunderstanding um, the whole principle of uh, verbal inspiration, especially because these were writers. They were not just like us who we were just interpreting what is already written. Alright, so I'm saying these things to give an assurance. Alright, to say now the Word of God uh, has the same authority when it comes to the Old Testament and the New Testament. Alright, so basically the purpose of us doing the Old Testament is found in Romans chapter 15, I think it's verse number 4. When Paul says, uh, you know, things that were written before time were written for us to learn that through patience and comfort, um, we might find hope. Alright, we might find hope. So the reason why we dwell in the Old Testament is for our learning. All right and then as we learn we must apply patience because some of the things and when you compare the, the church in the Old Testament and in the New Testament we can tell that the standard is actually the same standard of holiness uh, and righteousness so you need to apply patience you know the fruit of the Spirit patience and be comforted you know comfort is one of those uh, feelings that you will actually want to have when you're going through something especially a loss when you've lost your loved one or you know there's just a loss around your life you know the spirit of comfort which is the spirit of christ all right the holy spirit is a comforter we need to experience such even as we engage in the scripture so that you may have hope all right and the bible says hope never disappoints yeah so I'm going to be talking about the book of numbers, and in this book of numbers, I'm going to be using the language of typology, alright? right, typology, uh, symbolism, allegories, similitudes, parables, you know, that is my language in trying to explain now and the book of Numbers, all right? We all know by now that typology, symbols, types, and shadows as a principle of interpreting scripture. It was never there to establish something new or to establish a doctrine, but it is there to explain it, all right? So the language of typology, one of the people that um, used the language of typology was uh, Paul when he compared the church to, uh, to the bride, you know? And compared christ to the husband divisions chapter five all right so he use that picture so the language of typology is one of those principles that i used in scripture in order to bring about a christocentric principle i mean a christocentric interpretation rather all right so one day if god gives us grace i'll want to talk about the art of interpretation okay because the master key in interpretation is not the literal context or the historical account of a verse because that will still leave us, you know, stranded in a sense that we are not the crowd that has received these letters. Two, we are Gentiles, we are not like Jews, so the Old Testament is irrelevant to us. You see, so the Christocentric principle, all right, it is the only master key that actually overshadows any other principle that you can use in order to interpret scripture because if you stick to literal principle it simply means now you can tell us what has happened there literally Two historical principle only refers to what has happened in the past. What about now? You know that's when we find contentions in the body of Christ, whereby we find verses uh, that declare a woman not to speak, and then we fail to interpret them because we believe or we uphold so much of a literal principle and a historical principle behind the verse, and therefore. We just want to be safe and not really minister life to the very same person who has received the Holy Ghost and is in the same church with you. You see? So, yeah, yeah. Yo, let me not go there because we won't come out. I don't want to talk about that subject. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's power. Women must preach. Uh, that one I can tell you now. Women must preach. They are called as men. There's no difference. There's no lower or higher anointing. The same khriyo, the same, the same Messiah upon a man is the same Messiah upon a woman. One day I'm going to tell you, uh, by God's grace, if I finish my book, <laughs> uh, there's a chapter where I'm discussing uh, First Timothy chapter four, all right, concerning the um, um, that verse that says I want all men to lift up their hands. You know, in the presence of the Lord, the word "men" there does not refer to every gender. It refers to men. So, if you're going to uphold a literal principle in terms of interpreting First Timothy, and and you you suffer women not to preach, and you use that as as, as a doctrine to say women must not preach, you must also take up that verse and say women are not supposed to raise their hands. Only men are supposed to raise their hands in the presence of the Lord. So I'm using that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this... Oh, Jesus, how did I get here? Yeah, please pray for me in that area. The book of Numbers. All right? The book of Numbers uh, uh, from the word by uh, in Hebrew. Okay? I'll I'll avoid... Uh, this one uh, arithmoi i think there's a greek or uh, latin word arithmoi which talks about arithmetics you know numbers but i love the hebrew that says bemudba because bemudba um is is, is actually two words b means two from the word by, you know mudba means the speech in the wilderness or speeches all right So now, this is a book that talks about the two generations. All right. Um, The two generations. um, Remember that it's not everybody that went to the wilderness that has made it to Canaan. right the promised land so there's a generation that is dying and there's a generation that has been resurrected right in the wilderness so this talks about the two natures all right the nature that you came out with from egypt must die in the wilderness all right so that the new generation in you must arise to the promised land so this is an old adam the flesh must die So that the new Adam, the second Adam, the spirit can live to the New um, uh, Testament, or to, the, to the promises of God, to Canaan. All right. These are two um, uh, generations, like I said. So it's a powerful book, man. It's a powerful book, um, you know, from chapter one up to chapter number 10, which is my main focus. But I'm only going to talk about two chapters for today. right imagine uh, there were 40 places actually that they navigated this was a journey that was supposed to last for 11 days but it ended up lasting for more than 40 years all right Uh, but by the grace of God you know there was a plan there was a reason why God did so you know it was simply because the older generation had to die because of disbelief so that the new generation can be born Alright, so they had to navigate 40 places, you know, when we have time, some other time, somewhere, we shall talk about these places. But there are plus minus 40 places that were that they had to navigate, alright. Hence, I have entitled this message, The Voice Behind the Navigator, alright. So from chapter 1 up to chapter number 10, they never moved, alright. Imagine, from chapter 1 up to chapter number 10, And they never moved in the wilderness because God was expecting them to do something, right? There were certain things that they had to do, from chapter one up to chapter number ten, right? And the cloud of fire by night and and the pillar by day was not moving, you know, for these ten chapters. So this is a word, or this is a picture of a local church. The Bible actually calls them the congregation. the congregants meaning family alright so we are talking about the church the book of Acts actually reveals to us that it is the church in the wilderness so the same picture that we have um that we have in this uh, in this book is actually a picture of a universal church or a local church because whatever that you do in a local church must actually resemble what is a universal church all right. That is why there is no doctrine that is of private interpretation. The things that you teach privately should be the things that you can teach actually to the body of Christ. Right. There is no way that you can have a different doctrine when it comes to the other churches and that doctrine you don't actually preach it or practice it in your own church. So a local church is actually the um, uh, a, a smaller part of the global church. If I can put it that way, so we are interdependent of one another. We are the body of Christ, and members in particular. So, our emphasis of doctrine must be relevant and healthy to the whole body. So you can't preach a message that only benefits you as an individual, as a pastor, and your local church. All right? I'm gonna emphasize again: a local church has to have the world view, worlds like global. Uh, church view you must have that in mind that you are not alone in this thing and there are other people that are involved so these are the principles that will help us as a local church to navigate the wilderness okay the voice behind navigation so how do you cross about you know the wilderness it's a very challenging stage i don't want to talk about number 40 how Jesus was tempted after that, and, you know, wilderness is a time of testing, trials, and all of those things, I understand. But I want us to get to the message and talk about the principles that are actually keeping the local church moving forward. Because besides these things um, that they had to do, uh, or rather, I want you to picture this. This is a local church or a global church that is moving from one space to the other. We are moving to the destination called the heaven. You know, we are moving from what is natural to what is supernatural, for what is mortal to something that is immortal. Okay, we are moving from death to life. So this is a wilderness. This is a picture of navigation, The picture of change we are metamorphosing, the Bible says as we behold us in the mirror, we have been changed so this is a journey of a journey that is looking at the mirror, is looking at the word. these are the things that we must think about, you know even as we um, even as we continue in this journey yes, even as we continue in this journey um, yeah, so let's read a few scriptures um, just two scriptures and then we are done We are done. We are done. Uh, You know, the word of God carries final authority. You know that it is inerrant. It is infallible. Scripture interprets scripture. Scripture authenticates scripture. Scripture uh, validates, complements and supplements scripture. Scripture is never against itself. Um, Yeah, it is powerful. Numbers chapter number one. Uh, We are reading from verse number one. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness, you know, in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the meeting of the first day of the second month in the second year after they'd come out of the land of Egypt. So this is after two years they have went out of Egypt. All right verse number two is very important he says take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families and by their father's houses according to their number of the names every male individual from 20 years old and above who are able to go to war in Israel you and Aaron shall number them by their families all right this is something that is noteworthy. Uh, verse number two, uh, I mean, chapter number two. All right, I'm just gonna do these two chapters and summarize them, and then we are good to go. Um, verse number one, chapter two the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Everyone in the Everyone of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard. Please highlight that. Besides the emblems of their father's houses. So emblems, standard emblems. For they shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of the meeting. Then he gives an instruction who's on the east side, the west side, south and the north side. So let's talk about these two uh, chapters for today. And then we're closing. Oh. It's 20 minutes already. Um, But just to give you a summary, all right? Remember, these people in the um, wilderness, they never moved, all right? They never moved uh, an inch, you know, in the wilderness until they had to fix certain things, like I said. So from chapter 1 up to chapter number 10, where there were two silver trumpets that were blown, uh, Israel did not move. The cloud did not move because there were certain things that they had to fix. This is a picture uh, of what God needs us to do as a local church or as a body of Christ for us to navigate to the next level. Let me just speak or take it um, uh, downgraded to a local church context. All right, every local church must do these 10 things. Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3, Chapter 4 until Chapter 10 before it can move to its next level. Now in Chapter 1, these are the instructions that God gave uh, unto Moses, alright, and Aaron, his assistant. Alright, so Moses is a prophet and he says to him, tell these people, actually he says, let there be a census, let there be accounting. okay? Let us count these people. Alright, so... It's very much interesting to see that as they were counting them, they were counting them as families, all right, or tribes. That's another word. The word tribe is also from, you know, that understanding of family, all right. So you don't count people who are not families, all right. So you need uh, to count people who can be identified with one another. You know, a local church will never advance until, number one, it understands the the spirit of becoming a family, right? A spirit of becoming a family. I'll explain further, you know, a family. I'll explain it when we get to chapter number two because Ephesians chapter three, verse 15 says, um, it says uh, that the people or the believers or the saints in heaven and the saints on earth, you know, they are, they are a family that is named after Christ. Alright, so in the New Testament language, we don't count people that are not named after Christ. Because what makes a family, it's a name. Alright, so basically, symbolically speaking and typologically speaking, they needed to count people that are born again. Basically, you don't have a local church, you don't have a family until you have somebody who's born again. Alright, I remember this other time I was preaching in the revival And they kicked us out because I said a statement. Actually, my first, our first church that we started in Hrelingstad, when I I uttered a statement there, when I was in spirit, all right, I said, um, um, whoever is not born again, you know, your father is the devil. You know, yeah, so it offended a lot of people, even the owner of the church, he was born again, but he never understood where I was coming from because surely, If you are not born again, you know, you are drawing from the father of lies, which is Satan himself, you see. Yeah, but it's a story for another time because of time. So they have to count people according to their families. And family or a family is always, um, you know, a group of people that are attached to a name. So this name is Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 15, the family in heaven, the family on earth is named after him. Right, Christ. So, a local church will never move to the next level until it recognizes people that are of the same faith in the house. It's very dangerous to be in a local church, and you you might be, you know, uh, you know, you might be intermingling with people that are actually not the not the people of the faith. They just love their friends. They just love the atmosphere of being, you know, in that environment. But they're not necessarily born again. So, these are not the people of the family. So, you must identify people of the family. And then he says, these people, they have to be at the age of 20. Okay? So, um, symbolically speaking, number 20 in the Bible talks about spiritual capacity. Alright? Spiritual capacity. Uh, the scripture that is found in uh, the New Testament, John chapter 2. Alright? In the Cana of Galilee. Um, the, the water pots. You know that were there the bible says they were 20 gallons each all right so number 20 is a number of spiritual capacity that's how much of water or of wine they could carry. okay there were six of them so each of those of that water pots actually had um 20 could carry 20 gallons uh, uh, of water or wine which talks about spiritual capacity your church will never advance a local church does not advance until you identify people who can carry your message we need to identify people who who can capacitate the message of the house all right we need to identify people who can who necessitates okay who are bringing about an anacard or a conviction of the same message that you are convicted with, you know, in the house. It's very much frustrating to preach to people who can comprehend what you are preaching. Who don't understand what you are saying. You are moving with the wrong tribe. You are moving with the wrong people. So for a local church to gravitate and to move to the next level, it's a must. Alright? It's a must for you to have um, people with a spiritual capacity. You know, those six water pots... All right, just to to do a little bit of typology there. Um, six is a number of men. We all that you know that. So this is a man who was going to be filled with water. You know, forgetting every other thing, filled with water, which is a symbol of the word. And the water became wine, which is the spirit or the overflow of the spirit. And they filled the water to the brim. Basically, they 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 had time and meditated upon the word. You know, and the very same word, it is the very same thing that will make them understand the spiritual things. So the navigation of the natural to the supernatural is an act of you in filling yourself with the word of God, which will become, you know, your your spiritual capabilities and abilities. You know, I don't trust prophets. I don't trust ministers or any other person who flows in prayer and the things of the spirit, but they are not filled with the word. All right. Uh, any gift is is must be within the borders, you know, within the riverbanks of of scripture. You can't be a prophet, a miracle worker, if you 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 are not actually grounded in terms of the word. All right, because there are other people who who can operate better in that particular area without them being born again. So. Yeah, you get my drift. So that is my heartbeat. So the first thing that you need to do, identify family. Family has to do with the name, the tribe. And we are of the tribe of Christ, which talks about the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 15, like I said, two 20 years old people with a spiritual capacity. Oh, it's very much important. Please note that one, John chapter 2. Number three, the Bible says these are people that had were that were able to go to to warfare. They had to identify and count people of that nature, but who are also able to go to their warfare. All right, these had to be soldiers. They had to be an army. You know, these are the types of believers that understand now that there's no need to build permanent structures on temporal situations, on temporal land, right? Because they are not destined to be um in the wilderness they were destined to be in canaan all right which is the promised land so this is my take this is my 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 heartbeat concerning that um uh we one way or the other we must accept that the state of the church is not supposed to be what it is today all right so we must all have the camping mind in the camp uh we don't put permanent structures you know, we put temporal structures, meaning truth is progressive. We need to understand that when the cloud moves, you know, when you talk about the movements in the body of Christ, uh, the apostolic movement, charismatic movement, these are the truths. Uh, truth that God was actually or is emphasizing over time. You know, in every generation, there'll be that truth that God emphasizes in that particular time. That does not mean the previous truth is false. For instance, it is God who spoke to Moses and he said, uh, build me a tabernacle. But later on, um, when when challenges came, the tabernacle of Moses uh, was left empty without the Ark of the Covenant, and the ark and uh, the, the tabernacle of David was built. So truth progressed from the tabernacle of Moses to the tabernacle of, of David, and from the tabernacle of David to the Temple of Solomon, you know, from the Temple of Solomon to the Temple of Zerubbabel, and the Temple of Zerubbabel, Temple of Herod, even though the Ark was not there, and now ultimately, But don't take for granted the issue of uh, the temple of Herod. It's also very important. It is the very same house that Jesus called it my father's house. And he said it shall be called the house of prayer. So nonetheless, we have landed in the tabernacle uh, of Christ, which is the body of Christ. All right. Actually from the indwelling place um, of Adam, the tabernacle of Adam, which is called the Garden of Eden. But it's a story for another time. I don't want to dwell there. So. Truth is progressive, all right? We camp because we are soldiers. Soldiers are people that are able to uh, be able to fight a warfare. Now, Ephesians chapter six has put it clearly for us, you know, uh, Ephesians chapter six, you know, uh, Paul using an example of a Roman soldier, how he'll dress up, and then he has explained what we need for a warfare that is not actually carnal, but spiritual. know so we need to put on the full armor of God we need to be righteous we need to to be saved the helmet of salvation we need the belt of truth we need to be truthful in our work we need um, the sword of the spirit you know those six ornaments and that um, Paul has counted number six is the number of men so this is a new man in Christ alright so if you are fighting warfare is not something that you'll fight physically remember these people are just family a family in the wilderness but they needed them to have an attitude of being a soldier because the warfare is not carnal it is spiritual so let us put on the full armor of God Actually, the book of Ephesians is very powerful. Before Paul says that Ephesians 6.10, he says, Finally, brethren, put on the full armor. After he has advised the elders and uh, talking to them about the false teachers that will arise, the dogs that will arise in Ephesus, he says, Finally, put on the full armor of God. But anyway, yeah, we are not there. So the church, local church must have a mentality of being an army. I understand the different sides and the different you know, faces of a church being um, uh, being an army, being a bride, being a son and all of those. But there's a time when we are moving forward, we need soldiers. All right. We'll explain in the next chapter, actually. And then these people, they had to be males. That's another thing. Okay. So the fifth point is that these people had to be males meaning they had to carry a male seed, they had to carry a seed with them. So when the church is in the mode of moving, before the church can move to the next level, they must come to a place where they understand the body of Christ in in two dimensions, a female commit as the bride, and a male commit as the body of Christ, meaning as an evangelist, okay? so the evangelical part uh, the 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 mandate to advance the kingdom to plant a seed all right because male are seed carriers okay so so the church must have that mentality to say the kingdom of god must advance a local church that does not do evangelism a local church that does not have a mind to win souls all right and i know there are different dimensions in winning souls all right and this is my conviction there's actually no need i'm not saying there's no need per se but uh, we can't force a local church to do evangelism when actually they're not gifted in that area because winning a soul okay winning a soul uh, is not only calling them you know, in the altar call and say, receive your Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus now, you know, lift up your hands, confess whatsoever, because what can happen tomorrow is that the same person who was at the altar uh, can experience, you know, a dry season and backslide and actually uh, come out of, 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 you know, salvation or his salvation. So how did you then win a soul if the very same soul that you have won has went back to, to alcohol and they don't care about christianity anymore they don't believe in jesus christ anymore so winning a soul is a journey all right winning a soul is a journey and everybody's involved so the evangelist that is involved in the field preaching to those people coming back into the church the teacher must teach them um, and an apostle must be there to clarify some things you know what i'm saying a prophet must be there to enlighten things and to prophesy impart the spirit of discernment all of these things so it's a journey so you have not won a soul until that soul rests in christ all right so in a local church when you talk about winning souls there are other houses local houses you know i'm not saying they must not do evangelism they can do evangelism but they must rest uh, at the at the fact that they are there to develop these souls that have been won in the kingdom you know there are other local churches they'll never be good in evangelism whether we like it or not, because they are simply not gifted in that area. Even though they can share the gospel, you know, through one-on-one and do those mini uh, crusades and stuff like that, you know, uh, that does not now make them to be evangelistic to an evangelistic ministries, but they are a type of a ministry that can be able to help a believer to grow in the house of God until the person passes on to heaven. So, Anyway, male seed, okay? Everybody must be conscious about preaching Christ, sharing the gospel to the next person, the kingdom mind. I'm not saying the local church or there's a local church that is not supposed to do evangelism. Please understand me. Every believer is given a mandate, Mark 16, Matthew 28, to go out and preach the gospel. You know, it's just that some other people are more gifted than others. It is a mandate of every believer to preach the gospel. Let me close. It's already 36 minutes. In chapter number two, all right, I wanted to touch these two chapters. So, remember, I'm touching things. I'm going to count them as as I close. So, in chapter two, now these people, they had, God gave them an instruction and said to Moses, tell these people to camp according to their standards. Alright? According to their signs. You know? And they must camp a distance away from the ark or from from the tabernacle, you know. So in chapter 2, they are fixing another dimension before God moves with Israel to the promised land. Okay, in chapter 2, he says, let these people understand their positions. Okay, they must camp according to their own standard. The word standard, there is the word Dachal in Hebrew. All right, it means to flaunt. It means a flag. All right, and songs of songs, I think it's chapter 2, verse number 4. It says, Your love, your banner for me is love, you know, your flag for me is love, you know. So that's what we are talking about when you talk about finding your own tribe. You must go to a place that you love. A local church will never move forward until uh, the people in that house they love their camp they love the people the family that they are exposed to so without the love loving one another there is no progress in a local church and love will always be tested against its nature all right things that will happen in a local church will always cause a local church to divide or to fight you know amongst themselves because they must be kept by the principle of of a flag or love the banner of love must be in the house of god so without the banner of love there's no progress in the local church and the testing there is hate so miserable uh, you know um um, uh, difficult situations will occur in the local church just to test the principle of love and there's no love without forgiveness and stuff like that so you must expect quarrels you must expect um you know, discomfort, you must expect to be challenged in a local church uh, so that the, the, the fruit of love can be seen, okay? A local church is identified by love. And when I say so, I'm not saying they must love you. I'm saying you must love them, you know, in a local church. You must come to that place where love rules. But above all, it should be a place that is identified or that you identify as a place of love any believer who does not love his local church uh, is not supposed to be there you can't be in a church and hate your pastor or hate your mom or hate people you know you must fix those things and be in a place of love okay the banner of love is is one thing that must exist in a local church 40 minutes later one the second thing in chapter two okay is the the mark all right the mark that was found in that flag basically there has to be something that you love specifically about the local church because that will give you identity all right in that flag normally in israel historically speaking there were four faces a face of a man ox you know an eagle And so forth, they'll be in these four camps. So they'll be identified according to those four faces, which talks about Christ, the four faces of Christ in the book of Daniel and the Book of Revelations. You know, so so whatever that you love about the local church, it should be something that is distinct, okay, about the attributes of Christ. Okay. There has to be something that you love about that particular church or local church that makes you That makes you to be connected to them. Okay? Every local church is emphasizing uh, on different things. All right? But however, we cannot differ in doctrine. Even if your message is the prophetic, you know, you cannot differ from from the Christ that we preach. You can't say, uh, I don't love the apostolic church. Uh, I want to be um, a deliverance minister. You know you don't create your own flags okay whatever flag that is they're supposed to represent christ so even if you're in another camp whatever that you are uplifting must not be an offense to whatever message that you are uplifting on the other side let's trap it there the last thing they had to camp a distance away from the tabernacle normally um historically speaking that distance was actually distance that was measured as 15 furlongs which was a journey of rest so they'll walk 15 furlongs and rest so that talks about the principle of rest actually that uh, as you camp in your local houses recognize christ okay which is the tabernacle the body of christ recognize christ and be at rest so without rest you are not moving so, in these two chapters that we did now, I'm done. okay, the first chapter um identify people with their families at the age of twenty who are able to go to war, who were males. Those are four things that we find in the in the first chapter. The second chapter is these people they had to camp according to their own standard, which is a flag, okay to flaunt a flag. And I gave you a scripture, Songs of Songs, chapter 2, verse 4, which talks about love. So you don't camp in a local church that you don't love. Okay, number two, there has to be a sign, okay, in that particular flag, a mark. Okay, what do they embrace in that local house? What is their strong point in that local house? And it should not be something that is against doctrine. Alright? Three. They should camp a distance away from the camp. We'll continue on the next chapters, even as the voice behind the navigator is leading us. But for now, the Lord is quiet. He's speaking to one person, the prophet Moses, to fix some things. God bless you. I hope this was fruitful, even though it's too long. Amen. Take a break. Listen to it some other time. Amen. Bless you.